This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome to episode four of the City event. My name's Adam Williams, along with my co-host Chris. How are we doing, Chris? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? Not so bad, mate. Hair fever's absolutely killed me off, as you can see from my uh, my tweets this week. And yeah, it's um, it's no good, mate. But I've got some bee pollen now, uh, some tablets that somebody's told me about. So thank you for that on Twitter. And fingers crossed that I'll um, I'll survive it. I've got my bucket out on anyway, my pink bucket out that Chris absolutely loves, don't you, Chris? Well, yeah. I mean. It just looks a bit like uh, what do you call it, Harry Enfield, doesn't it? So uh, you go with it, mate. You pull it off. Well, well I could do this, and it's a little bit like Little Miss Sunshine. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, there is that as well. <laughs> Not a bit. I could sit the whole way through. I absolutely love this hat. To be honest, I love it. It's a it's a Glasgow Rangers one. I don't know if you can see it logo. Indeed, indeed. There you go. Anyway, you can't see this on the podcast, so I'm going to get back to things that you can actually here as discussed. So um, it's been an interesting week, an exciting week. It feels like it's been building up the whole week to this point. There's obviously, we started Friday with a little bit of bad news in the afternoon with Charles Vernon um, going to Lincoln. Just on that point, uh, personally, I'd like to wish him all the best. No bad blood at all from me. He's gone to his hometown club, division above, probably on. Although, he was not on more wages, is he actually? He's on the same, I think, because I think we offered him yeah. the same, but he's got a bigger opportunity there, let's be fair. Um, I think we're a bit naive to think, oh, we're a bigger club and he's taking a downward step. He isn't for me personally. So I wish him all the best. Chris? Yeah, how can you knock him? It's his hometown club, as you've already said. He's going to be playing in League One. They've obviously got a lot of belief in him. Why wouldn't they? You know, also Powdy going there as well earlier on in the week. So they've just signed two of our players. Same, same for Powdy as well. You know, all the best. Yeah, you can't, you can't knock him. You can't knock either player for for looking to be in League One. I think the w- one thing that probably annoys people about the Vernon deal is that we paid money for him last. January and we only got him on an 18 month contract that to me does not look like good value really and you know he had the chance then to move on after 18 months and we've missed out at least this year we have been putting better deals together where it's been an initial deal so the club have got an option then to sign them for another year but that's the only thing that's kind of annoyed me really about that deal. Yeah I get that and I feel like the club's probably seen that and they've, they've changed the way they're operating this time. And we spoke about this the other day on the space that there's two and three year deals on the table now. Um, so they've probably been learnt, they've learned from it. Fingers have been burnt a little bit. So we have seen those deals on the table. So hopefully that's going to be the same going forward and retain these players down to, you know, longer contracts. Vernon, for me, it did hurt a little bit more than Powdy. And some people might be on the opposite way of thinking to that. Um, I felt like Powdy's had his time. But for, for me, Vernon had a lot more to offer and I think he's probably going to kick on next season. Um, and under the Mark Hughes style of play, he really started to flourish. In that game against Sutton, he was unplayable. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit gutting, isn't it, mate, to be fair? 
Yeah, it is. And like you said, you mentioned about that Sutton game. He was absolutely phenomenal that game. It was the best game that he's he's had for City. Started off when he first came in, I think the first couple of games, he really he was actually really good. When he when he first signed, he's had a couple of injuries. He has, you know, he's been out for a little while. Come back into the team under Mark Hughes and he has looked a different player. So I am I am pretty gutted. The one thing I always used to say about Vernon was if if he could if he could shoot on target, he'd be dangerous. That was just the one thing that used to frustrate the life out of me about him. And that, you know, that that potential was that if he could score more goals, then you know, he would be playing further up. But he is now, you know, that's the end of that. It's time to move on. And uh I think we're starting to do that really. Yeah, and we'll touch on that in a minute because it, we had some good news, obviously, in the afternoon on Friday as well. But just the last of the three amigos, um, before we do move on, is Elliot Watt. Um, is that going to be the same case where we're going to see him move on? Is he going to end up at Lincoln? Um, there's rumours out there that he's at Port, they're going to be at Portsmouth. So any ideas where you think he might go? or Will, will he go? Will he stay? I don't think he'll stay. I think if he was going to stay, he'd stayed already. I, I know that because of the, his age, there is... Uh, compensation involved with that. So for whoever he goes to, they're going to have to pay some money for him. The Portsmouth rumour seems to be quite strong. I don't think he'd be at Lincoln, but then again, we never know. They might be signing another one. But yeah, I think we have to move on now from from Elliot. I think that I'd imagine that the deadline is coming up for him to sign the contract as well. But I think from everything that you're seeing is that he's, he's pretty much gone. It's just finding the club who's going to, who's going to pay that money for him. And again, good luck to him. Yeah, we wish him all the best, to be fair. And I think we say that, um, thinking that we think he's going to go, but um, who knows, he might turn around and sign. But if he does go again, um, it goes with our best wishes. Um, so talk about recruitment anyway on a positive side. So Friday, we have the negative news of Vernon moving on. But then um, we got the shirt, first of all, which we'll talk about in more detail in a second. And we got the signing of Harry Chapman. Um, so first of all, the shirt, um, for me, I'm absolutely delighted. I've been crying out for a collar on a shirt. It, yeah, probably not the collar I was expecting because I like a bit of a button collar, but I love it nonetheless. It's the best shirt for me that we've had in at least ten years. I think it's brilliant. Thoughts? Yeah, I think it's I think it's gorgeous. It reminds me of um, a little bit of '96. So when I first started supporting City, it's kind of got a little bit of that feel for me, especially with the badge. And I actually don't mind the badge. I actually quite like it. Um, so. I mean, people were knocking the white shirt, but let's face it, it was the highest selling shirt in something like the last six to eight years. So that tells you that actually it was quite popular. But no, I think it's a lovely shirt. I'm, in fact, I'll be buying it, to be honest, which I don't always buy city shirts anymore. So, but I think it's lovely. I think it's it seems to be, you know, there doesn't seem to be many complaints. There's always going to be complaints from someone about it, but seems like the general consensus is that it's it's a good shirt. Yeah. I don't think you can go wrong with stripes a lot of the time with City. I think that's what we like as fans. And I know there's been different takes on stripes and the, the, the colours that we've got, but I don't think you can beat that traditional, you know, shirt with, with, our, with our stripes and with our colours. Um, a couple of things that on the shirt. We are looking to do a video, we think, to review it. So um, we're going to speak to Ryan about going down to the shop and maybe putting a bit of a a nice video together. Chris will do better than me with that because mine will be on like my <laughs> potato of a phone and it'll look rubbish. Um, but we're going to do that and just have a bit of a feel for it and let you guys know what it's actually like maybe before you go and buy it. I mean, the club probably want you to go and buy it anyway and you probably will regardless, but it might be nice to just have a little bit of a look at those details because on the new player signing, um, 
there's quite a few more close-ups of it, and it's got like BCFC sort of yeah, embossed yeah. into the fabric, which I thought was a really nice touch. Um, it's got BCFC on the back of the collar as well, which is really nice, and the little ribbon, which I thought was good as well. You touched on the badge. It's a, an iron-on, in it, transfer. Um, and I know a lot of people like embroidered badges, but it seems to be a bit of a, a thing of the past, unfortunately. I'm a big fan of embroidered badges as well, but you just don't seem to get it anymore in football. Um, it just doesn't seem to happen as much. Um, and there was something else as well, negative, that somebody said, and I can't quite remember what it was. Maybe the shorts seemed a bit of low quality. Um, and the sponsor on the back's a bit of an eyesore as well, probably. But overall, for me, I'd probably give it a 9 out of 10 as far as City shirts go. Chris? Yeah, I think it was someone on the space last night, wasn't it, that said that the shorts look a little bit, they don't look great. So that'll be interesting to see what the shorts are like. I understand <clears throat> about, obviously, the advertisement on the back of the shorts, whether it is a bit of an eyesore, but at the end of the day, that's money coming into the club. Can we really not that? Not really. I mean, this is, you know, in this day and age, you've got to get sponsorship wherever you can. So it's not a problem for me. I'd probably give it, I think it's probably an eight for me, eight out of 10. But it's, it, I think it is a very nice shirt and it's one of the best we've had for a long time. Solid enough. So just talking about shirts before we move on, obviously we've got a second and a third shirt that we're going to be releasing. Um, Ryan alluded to these saying they're going to have a bit of colour on. Um, sorry, our colours. They're going to be our traditional colours, but then obviously with something else included. There's been a couple of teasers on the website with maybe the colours there might be. A couple of people tweeted us about those. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Any ideas of what you think we might get as an away kit and the third kit as well? Well, I always remember that Ryan said that the third kit is the one that Macron feel that is going to be the bigger seller. So I know there was the colours. I, I can't even remember what they were. Was it blue and yellow or red and yellow or something like that was, was the colour context it looked like. It looks like, for instance, the away shirt is going to be, what colours was it again? What did you think it was going to be? Well, it, to be fair, the away one, it's baffling because it looks like a black and white um, mm. or like a grey, maybe charcoal or grey. It's strange. I don't know what to expect. Are we going to see a white kit with a bit of black on it? Is it going to be a bit of an ombre, like white fading into black? Is it going to be stripes? Who knows? Um, but for me, the way that they've teased that, the away looks like white and black or white and charcoal. And the third kit looks like um, blue um, and it's got amber on it as well. When, when we're saying it looks like that, like, these are just the little teaser logos that we're talking about uh, on the website. So on the on the club shop website. So I don't know. I, I don't know what I think about that, that white one because I feel like, I quite like a black away kit, me personally. Um, I just feel like it's quite classy and it's a good seller. Um, but yeah, white white and black, it just it baffles me a bit. It might just be one or the other and it might just have a bit of black on it or something. But then what I'm thinking is, because Ryan said that our colours are going to be on these shirts, well, how does that fit into white and black? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And he did say that that would be, you know, mm. on throughout all, all the three kits. So... It's a guessing game, isn't it? I mean, I I would imagine that we'll probably give it a week, maybe two weeks before we bring out the away shirts so that we can sell a few of the home shirts. And then probably two, three weeks later, then we'll find out what the third kit is. But it's always yeah. that good time of year, isn't it? I mean, let's face it, Twitter was on meltdown on, on Friday <laughs> because yeah. people were so desperate for the shirt. And then obviously when it came out at five, and then there was obviously a couple of hints in the video, you know, to, to certain players and, and things like that. So... Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they look like. And um, I'd, I'd like to think that they're going to be good shirts again, really. I feel like this week's been a bit of a meltdown on Twitter as well, Chris, because people are expecting us to make announcements after announcement. I feel what we need to do is manage our expe expectations a little bit, to be fair, because 
we've gone hell for leather. We've made nine new signings, which is bananas. So I feel like they are going to be quiet, period. So maybe the next three days and next week might be quiet as well. So I feel like we've got to remember that a little bit. Um, it is exciting and because we've had so much. We've been spoiled. We wanted more. Naturally, you do as a human being. But I feel like, feel like we need to be a little bit more patient now and wait for them to bring the, the last crop of players in and, and announce these shirts and things like that. On the shirts, do you think that we're going to see players announced in the new shirts as well, as we did with uh, Harry Chapman, which we'll go into in a second? I'd like to think so. I think it adds a little bit more does, it? excitement to it. And obviously, you know, we did bring out a player with that. I mean, there have been rumours all summer that, you know, that we were, there were certain players, for instance, Pereira was linked with that he was going to be wearing the shirt first, but obviously that's not happened. And whether that, where that deal is now, I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I think it just adds a bit more excitement. But you're absolutely right about Twitter at the minute. It just seems to be that, you know, just because certain clubs will, if someone puts admin, are we signing someone that they might get retweeted with a player yeah. that's going to be signed? When we do need to be, <laughs> you know, like you said, we've signed nine players so far. We can't complain. And we've we've signed, for me, some decent calibre players. There is going to be a quiet time. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I get the feeling that maybe, you know, business is nearly done. I'm not saying it's done. But I think that I think at the most we're probably going to bring in two or three more players. Then again, I said that a couple of weeks ago, and we've brought in a couple of players since then. So, yeah, I, that's that's where I think that we're going to be. I don't think there'll be any more than that, and then we'll see how everybody feels about that. Really, it's funny you say about tweeting to get a retweet. I actually tweeted admin as well the other day, and I said, "Can you announce Oddie sooner?" <laughs> so I, I fit into that category of people, but. I think I feel like I'm saying it to myself as as much as everybody else as well about managing expectations because we have been spoiled yeah. and I feel like we're expecting it all to happen. Um, touching on Odisuna, he's just somebody that I would absolutely love to sign. Um, there's been rumours on the hashtag TNA published an article about it. Like we've said before, he was the best centre back for me, at least left sided in League Two by a mile last season. If we pull him off, it is absolutely incredible because of his age, his potential. It'd be a huge signing. Um, Part of me feels like it's done. I know nothing about this at all, but I've just got a feeling because the TNA published it, they always seem to publish things when it's got legs or something's going on. So I've got a feeling we could see Odyssey in the next week and everything inside me is crossed for that one. Chris, thoughts on him? Absolutely love him. He is the best left-footed left central defender in this league. There isn't many of them either. He would fit in absolutely anywhere in this league. I think there's going to be a lot of competition for him. I feel that it might be a done deal unless something's happened. I don't know. Um, but I, I think that he's exactly what this club needs. He would be incredibly exciting to bring in. I would be more than happy with that. So, again, we're just a waiting game. I mean, every day I'm, I'm kind of hoping, like I said, we don't know anything. We, we genuinely don't. Uh, every day I'm just hoping it's going to be that day that we're, we're announcing him and Hopefully, fingers crossed, we do. Let's be fair, it's it's the gap that's been left by Powdy and we do need a big name to come in and he fits that criteria perfectly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's more hope than anything, but I, I genuinely feel like inside me, for some reason, I've got some sort of power where I think Odysuna has already signed on that dotted line and hopefully he's going to be announcing that beautiful kit that we're going to see maybe next week. Who knows? Um, so, going back to who we have actually signed, so we'll get away from rumours for a second. So... The exciting news broke on Friday evening uh, about Harry Chapman. I couldn't believe it personally because it's a brilliant signing. So, Chris, 
as our stat man, tell us what you know about Harry Chapman. <laughs> um, he was he was touted at the very beginning of his career as you know the next big thing. That's that's how much people thought of him. Certainly Middlesbrough at the time, you know there was a lot of hope for him. He's a very, very tricky winger. And one thing I love about him is he loves to take on players. If anybody wants to watch, there's a video of him uh, nutmegging a play against Rochdale. I want to say it was for Blackburn. I can't remember if it was. It's absolutely beautiful. But there's also a goal that he scored for, uh, I think it was Sheffield United, where he had the ball out on the touchline, managed to take on two or three players, uh, put it into the put it into the net. So he's someone that, you know, he's not going to be afraid to, to, to take a shot. He's not going to be afraid to take on a man. His career, there's been rumours and from other clubs. So he always seems to start off really, really well at the clubs. So Middlesbrough, like I say, he scored a few goals. Um, he went on loan. So he was um, he went on loan to Barnsley. Did all right there. Uh, Sheffield United, as I've mentioned, um, and then went and signed for Blackburn for two and a half years. Again, I was watching a podcast with Blackburn, I can't remember what the podcast was called, but they were talking literally nine months ago about him and it was a big feature and, and a couple of them said, well, I really, really hope we can keep hold of him at all, that, that he stays and we give him a little bit more time. Um, it went on loan to Burton. It wasn't, I don't think he's done particularly well there. I think he had 15 games, one goal. But he's he's certainly a player that needs, I feel probably needs an arm around him. I think that he's, you know, Mark Hughes is not going to be afraid of if he has got an ego, he's going to be worried about that. And again, he's League One standard, I think. I'm surprised that he's not managed to get a club at League One standard. So I think it's a very, very exciting signing. I got again, got very, very excited on Friday. He's, he's definitely going to be someone, as long as he can stay fit as well, that he's going to be a really, really important part of this, this football team. Yeah, he seems like one of these players, doesn't he, that we have had at Bradford City over the years that excite fans, get us off of seats and he sort of fits that Vernon mould, but I think he's a level above Vernon from what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've read. Um, when, it, when it was announced, I was absolutely buzzing because uh, I've actually seen him play and I was really impressed by him, but I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. He's a, he's a sort of player that needs that person to put their arm around him and who better than Mark Hughes, who's been in the game himself, he's played the game at the highest level, perfect fit for me. Um Time will tell. Could it be a bit of a McCurdy where he's, he's got you know issues off the field where people struggle to manage him and that maybe why his, his career has gone the way it has? I don't know, but I really think we need to get behind him and hopefully he has an absolute belting season for us. And yeah, absolutely delighted with that one. Um, yeah, so yeah. Maybe, go on, mate. I was just going to say about um, Chris Wilder, absolutely loved him. He was a big, big fan of his. Um, so... I watched an interview with him and he was saying how good he was. Unfortunately for him, he got injured at Sheffield United. So, um, again, it just seems to be injury problems. But, yeah, if you watch the interview with Chris Wilder, he's talking about him and he's, yeah, incredible. Yeah, exciting. Chris Wilder, if he says something, I'm, I'm on board with it because he is some manager, that fella. Um, really, really big fan of Chris Wilder. So, talking about recruitment then. So, we've we've talked about Odisuna. We've talked about Chapman that we're both excited about. Um, there's a couple of other um, rumours, including um, a Richie Smallwood, that he has mentioned, actually, um, in his interview, oddly enough. So, Harry Chapman, he's done an interview with the club. We've done it with every player that we've signed, where they tell us a little bit about themselves, like favourite food, like Chris likes to ask, and, and things like that. Um, and it, they said to him, well, who's your best friend in football? And he said, um, Richie Smallwood. And obviously, we've been rumoured um, and linked with signing Richie Smallwood. 
Should we think too much into that, or any ideas? You think we're going to sign him? Are we not? Is it too big for us? Is it, would it be because it'd be huge? Let's be honest, Chris. Thoughts? It would be an incredible signing. I know that it sounds like every time that we come on this podcast, I'm saying an incredible signing. But anybody who knows Richie Smallwood knows that he would be a phenomenal signing for this level. Whether it's something, I, I mean, for instance, he, he turned down Posh, according to Dara uh, McCanty. He, he turned them down because he didn't want to move away from where he was living. Obviously, Hull's not that far away from here, but I don't think he lives in Hull. I want to say he lives a little bit more for, further north. Um, but red car. Is it red car? It might be. Yeah, you're probably right. So, you know, there is that. And whether he's, I mean, for, for a player, if he's a quality, he would be our Gary Jones. There is no doubt about it. He would literally be our Gary Jones. And he's at 31 years old. He would control this midfield. I mean, that would be, for me, that would be the biggest signing. That would be bigger than Timmy Odessina. To be honest, mate, you've said control the midfield. If we signed him, he'd control the league. He's just been uh, captain at Hull in the championship, you yeah. know? And I, I, we can't get over how big this would be for us if we signed him. Is he buying into the project? What, what is the pull for him to come to Bradford City? It would be absolutely massive. Um, and everything is crossed that we're going to sign him. And again, he's another one, like Odysseuna, that I think we have signed him. We've definitely spoke to him because, again, the TNA have published it. They never publish anything unless there's something in it, unless they're just watching our spaces or something. Uh, I don't know, but I genuinely think that that is happening um, with Odyssey. And I might be rose-tinted spectacles and hoping for the best, but let's see. Let's see. It's exciting times, isn't it, mate? I mean, we're, link we're getting linked with all these players. There's so much happening. When we're linked to them, it seems like it's happening. But Harry Chapman, nobody mentioned his name. Now, left, left side, complete left side. I love that as well. I absolutely love it, especially when it's somebody so exciting. Um, so it was quite nice that it was quite refreshing. However, I do really want to sign the other two as well that we've heard about. So who knows? There might be another one that comes out of left field. Um, you know, Lampard might come out of retirement to do a shift in midfield. Who knows? I guess <laughs> will tell. Um, so any other rumours that you've heard of? Any, anything else on recruitment you want to add, Chris? It doesn't seem to be many players kind of banded around. I, I think there was somebody mentioned about Critchlow from Huddersfield. Um, but there doesn't seem to be that many rumours going on. Obviously, people will want Don Telford, but he's not being linked with our club. I don't think he'll be in our league anyway. I think he'll be in League Two. But other than that, there just doesn't seem to be anybody anybody else that's, that's um, been mentioned. I think the club are probably um, playing the cards a lot closer to the chest than they were a few weeks ago. So... Let's just see. But yeah, the Chapman one is completely caught out. I, I think everybody, I don't think anybody expected that one. I think what we've not got to lose sight of as well is the size of the squad. So obviously you're allowed a certain amount of players uh, in the squad. Now, we've signed nine new players and we had existing players on the books. We're getting close to that number. Now, does that mean that we're going to see some going out? Because we know for a fact <clears throat> excuse me, that we've seen six new players as a minimum being offered contracts at the club. Um, are they going into the, the first team squad? You know, when are we going to hit that number? Does that who do you think might leave as well, Chris? Any ideas on any of that? Oh, so with players leaving, I'm not entirely sure. You'd hope that probably someone like Oscar Frelkold will go to Morecambe. I do imagine there will be two, two or three coming out. Who those will be, though, I'm really not sure. I think there might be one that we don't expect. I mean, again, we've mentioned it before, whether Andy Cook stays, I'm still not entirely sure he will. So, 
it's just going to be interesting to see what happens there. I'm not too sure, mate, to be honest. What about yourself? Who do you think might leave? I think Cook's gone. <clears throat> I've just got a feeling. Yeah. I, I just I just don't think he's going to fit in with the way we play. And, and I'm going to get pelters for this because I know there's a lot of people that love Andy Cook. Great bloke. Um, he's scored a lot of goal for us, goals for us. Sorry. I just don't feel like he fits in with the way we're playing. I feel like we've seen the end of Andy Cook personally. Um, I feel like he's, he's a bit of a... He's, he's a good player for anybody, let's say, at this level, um, really. I think you might see him Hartlepool, Barrow, somebody like that. Um, probably Hartlepool, I guess, because it's, it's his neck at Woods, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he signed for them. And, you know, we, we got Odyssey in return. That'd be nice. But, um, yeah, Andy Cook for me, um, for Elkeld. And I think some of the players like Finkels and Dawson, um, Reece Staunton, might be and Keen Scales as well. We might see them leave on loan, um, maybe three month deals, things like that. Because I just can't see them getting anywhere near the first team squad. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, for me, first team is that I think will go. I would say Andy Cook and I would say um, Felkeld. So I'd agree with you on both of them, to be honest, mate. Um, youth players then. So we're talking about the youth players that we think might get contracts. So Ryan told us in the interview that there's six players as a minimum. Um, that they've offered contracts to, including the goalkeeper. Do we know who those players might be? Any ideas or any guesses who you think they might be? I think I could probably have a, a couple of guesses of who it might be. I, I mean, I'd be very surprised if it's not Bobby Poynton, to be honest with you. Uh, he just seems to be, I would probably say, not that I have watched enough under-19s this year. I, I probably will do going forwards. But he does always seems to be, he scores quite a lot of goals. Um, then you've got like Dylan Yumbi. Um, who a lot of people were crying out to be put into the team last season, or certainly on the bench uh, towards the end of the last season, just to see what he's like. Freddie Jeffries, obviously, it looks like he's he's leaving. Um, and you've got kind of players like, um, you know, Oliver Norman. Uh, Noah, isn't there? Noah, was it Noah Wadsworth or Wadding, Waddington? Wadsworth? Waddington, I think so, yeah. Um, so... Is- um, and I don't know if there's the goalkeeper, I don't know his name, um, but I don't know if it's two of them or, or the main goalkeeper that's that's signed on as well, because Ryan alluded to that one specifically, so we know that one's done. But I, I'd agree with you. I think Bobby Poynton is one of the main players, and it, I'd like to see him get some first-team action as well. Um, he did actually play in that friendly, didn't he? I don't know if you saw it. It was streamed on YouTube. Um, and he picked Theo Robinson out with an absolute pearl of a pass. I think he was playing like that. <laughs> Um, and it was it was brilliant to be fair. He, he picked him out from left back he, he, all the way across, and, and Robinson totally messed it up. Of course, two cheeseburgers in. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see if any of these players get game time, or we're going to send them out on loan again. I don't know. So time. Yeah, well, we brought in that loan recruitment guy or the loan manager yeah. for this job. So you know, a lot of these youngsters will most definitely be playing, you know, conference football or whatever next season to, to you know, to, to boost their their progress. And, it, yeah, it, I think, obviously, if, if they've got that job, then they've got to be players going out. I, I agree with Reece Staunton. I think he'll be going out. I think Cousin Dawson definitely will be going out. So we'll see what happens um, with these new lads. But I, I would like to see a couple of them getting through to the squad, especially, like I said, Bobby Point. And it, it does sound like he... He's a very, very good player. Again, not somebody I know masses amount, but I do know that whenever you look at on the under nineteens and the fixtures or the results, it always seems to be that he's um he's involved with pretty much everything. So um let's see. Let's see what happens. It's gonna be exciting times and hopefully we'll find out uh, very soon who is signing the contract. Yeah. 
Yeah, because we don't know. We usually find out a little bit sooner, I think. So it'll be interesting to see who those young players are and, you know, where they're going to fit in. So totally agree. So last thing before we do our challenge that hopefully you've not forgot about, Chris, um, is talking about the uh, the fixture. So we've got the fixture list that will come out for pre-season. One that we don't know about is the 9th of July. Now, there's been rumours about Newcastle. I put a tweet out uh, about Newcastle. We don't know if that's true or not. Um, it looks like it's not going to be Man United or Real Madrid. So, any ideas who you think that might be? Because it sounds like it's good, it's something they're holding on to because it's going to be a good big team that we're going to be playing. Any ideas? No, I think <clears throat> I, I think it's going to have to be a Premiership team, isn't it? I think otherwise it would be just a bit bizarre, really. So, for me, it's got to be a Premiership team that are coming to play at Valley Parade. Uh, there were there were murmurs of a couple of clubs, but I don't. I think that they've probably disappeared now. So it'd be interesting to see who that club would be. I mean, we've mentioned it before. We'd love one of Mark Hughes' ex teams, but the problem is these days that they're all playing, you know, in the Far East or in Europe, you know, with the marketing. So whether they would actually come to to Bradford, I don't think so. But I do think it'll be a Premiership club, and I, I you know, it might be one that's reasonably close it won't be Leeds I'd be very surprised if it's Leeds because of uh, policing so you know it could be I don't know I don't know it's a a difficult one it's a difficult it is is. and I don't think anybody will really know could it be Nottingham Forest as well because they've just gone up to the Premier League is it somebody like that or is it is it somebody that at the top end is it your Tottenham's your Arsenal's Chelsea's Man United's who knows it's not Man United obviously Man City could it be you know, yeah. but, but like we alluded to, a lot of these teams now they go away, don't they, on these like tournaments and tours? So, yeah, who knows? Real Madrid is what I'm hoping out for. Uh, you know, Champions League winners, they've borrowed our coach famously. So, yeah, I'm holding on to that, but but we'll have to wait and see. So, who, who was it they played? Do you remember they played a pre season game against someone like in, in League Two? Real was Madrid. I can't remember, but but the tickets were like. Yeah. 60 quid or something like that. You'd, you'd pay it, wouldn't you, though? Let's be oh, fair. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it was Walsall. If anybody knows that fact. Um, and I'm sure Bayern Munich came and played somebody ridiculous as well at one point on a tour of England. But yeah, you'll have to let us know. I was imagine it Bournemouth? I think it was Bournemouth. Was it? It sounds like yeah. it'd be some, like a London team or, or something down south because they might be playing in a tournament down there and a warm-up or something, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> We'll get that. We'll get that link out to you um, when we find out. So, Chris is trying to put this off, I think, a little bit. So, we've got a bit of a challenge um, on the podcast this week. So, the challenge was we've put it on the flyer. I don't know if you've seen the flyer, but Chris looks particularly dashing on that. I so, do. thank you. I look, you, do. Great. you look You look great, mate. Uh, and that's an actual real life picture that we've just turned into a car. <laughs> so, so thank you to Andy Carr for putting that one together. Top man, he does a lot of our media work and putting all these posters and pictures together because I would not have a clue where to start. But something I do know how to do is how to create a song and a chant. So <laughs> so the challenge for this week, for me and Chris, is to come up with a new chant. So we, we're talking on podcasts and spaces about um, the fact that we recycle a lot of chants that other clubs create and it just seems to be the same old stuff and we're not really that original. Is that fair assumption? Maybe not. Um, but on the back of that, we decided that we were both going to, uh, well, I decided that me and Chris were both going to do a chant this week. And we wanted to do a poll on Twitter to see who you thought was the best. So, Chris, are you ready for this? Oh, dear. Are you I'm, ready? I'm not, re- I'm not ready for it, but yeah, let's Come do on, it. Mate. Right. So, you might have already heard mine, but I'll repeat mine in a moment. I've cheated a little bit, I guess, because you've already heard it. But, Chris, 
I'll count you in, and then can you sing us your chant? I'm going to mute myself as well, just for the, the quality of it. So, five, four, three. Yan song, go! Always believe in your soul. You got the power to know you're indestructible. Always believe in Yan song, go! Do you know what, mate? I think that's all right. I think that's all right. Yes, it might have been used before, but I actually but you like know it. What? At least I've got it out of the way now. You I'm did. Done with it. You did. Okay. <laughs> so now I'm going to sing mine. Now mine, um, I don't know if anybody's seen the tweet, um, but I actually put this out on the space last night as a bit of a teaser um, and actually tweeted it as well. So I'm trying to get as much traction as possible um, in advance of this pod so you can vote for me and make me the winner. Um, the feature is going to be a little bit like uh, Ant versus Deck, I guess. It's going to be Adam versus Chris. So we're still waiting for challenges to come through. Um, we've been asked to do like a hot sauce challenge, which we might do uh, maybe next week that Chris is up for. Uh, and also the water challenge where you, you talk about things and make each other laugh or something, something like that. So we might do that one as well. So if anybody's got any really funny ideas that they want us to do, uh, then let us know. And I just need to remember the lyrics of my song now. Here we go. Pressure. Right. Okay. Count me in, Chris. Three, two, one. We sing his name everywhere we go. Atlepool wanted him, but he said no. Adi sooner. Timmy, Adi sooner. Good, that, innit? I said it again. <laughs> I love that. I think that is amazing and it needs to catch on. So, guys, let us know what you think of those. If you think we're just a pair of absolute idiots, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. But we'll do a poll, and can you let us know who your thoughts were the best? So, Jan Songo or Odisuna, we might not even sign Odisuna. That's totally preempted. So, I might not win because of that particular reason. But yeah, we'll put a poll out, let us know what you think, and vote for your favourite. And if you've got any other chants that you guys like, if you want to come on and sing them for us, feel free. We can do a feature for that. Inboxes, let us know. Or if you've got any other chants that you like, tweet us them, and we'll, uh, we'll read them out on the spaces and the pods. Right, and things what, we, like what we can do is if you send an audio of it, we can yeah. feature it on the show absolutely can so if you want to do that send us the audio um we'll drop the email link on a twitter post so you can see what that is and yeah let us know what your uh, what your chances are so that's it for today's podcast thank you very much for joining us uh, if you join us in part two we've got a very special guest on in jamie rayner we're also going to play it, spot the difference so if you look at me and chris now let us know what's changed on the interview with jamie rayner thank you and bye for now you're listening to the City Vent. I'm the Ivy Bridge Bantam. So joining us today on the fan part of the show, we've got Mark Hellowell, uh, known as Arizona Bantam on Twitter. So thank you for joining us, Mark, all the way from Arizona. That's right, Tucson, Arizona. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So what are you doing out there? So obviously there's a city connection there somewhere. Can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, did you move over there quite a number of years ago? What's the situation? Yeah, I, I moved out here for, for work uh, about six years ago uh, this week. Um, I work for a, a cancer diagnostics company, so I worked for them back in the UK for about five years and then had the opportunity to relocate and, uh, yeah, haven't looked back. It's It's been quite the journey. Sounds good. And um, obviously the only thing that you'll probably do, Miss, by looking at the background um, of your video today is Bradford City. So how's that then? I, I'm, I'm guessing that you pick up a lot of the games on iFollow, which has probably been brilliant for you. So what's the situation around following Bradford? Do you get, do you get over for games and how do you like to follow us? 
Yeah, iFollow has been brilliant, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, before I moved to Arizona, I was down on the South Coast, so I didn't get to that many games either. So I, I, I've been able to probably watch more games than ever through through iFollow. Um, but nowadays, yeah, it's just a case of getting up early, 7, 8 a.m. in the morning, watch the game. Um, started to build a little um, Bradford City supporters club here in Arizona, get the, uh, get the locals involved. So there's a few uh, Bradford shirts flying around town, which is, uh, which is fun. <laughs> That's Love amazing. That. You've got a, a basically a pop-up shop behind you as well to sell them, so I'm sure you can Absolutely. get them out there, get people yeah, in. Like, like a, a costume dress-up shop back here. <laughs> Mr. Benz. <laughs> um, yeah, Chris, would you like to ask uh, any questions? Yeah, so I mean, so you mentioned about you've got a bit. Of, we've got a bit of a fan club in Arizona. So, how did you get them all into it? Was it just that you were mentioned about your passion for football, or how did that come about? Yeah, luckily, I I, I met some people who were who are into soccer, as they like to refer to it here. So, um, yeah, I just they they got interested, and because I had the kind of passion, they they were interested to come and watch games. There's also a few other Brits that I've kind of bumped into out here. You know, I know a, a Villa fan, Derby fan, Liverpool fan. You know, there's quite a few of us out here. So everyone kind of gets tied into the, um, you know, the excitement of watching the Premier League on Saturday mornings down in, in Tucson. We had this kind of bar that was dedicated to, to watching games. Um, Pre-COVID, that was. Um, but now it's mostly just people come, out, come over and, and watch the games with me on iFollow. Cool. And it, I bet it's just been brilliant for you because before that, obviously, you probably struggled to follow. I mean, you, you can sign up to Pulsecart you know, when we did the Pulse did have it and Radio Leeds and, and listen that way. But it's quite nice to be able to see it and see what's going on. Um, so talking about the games, what, what was the last game that you managed to actually come and see in person? Do you remember? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I was hoping I was over at Christmas and I think the games got called off due to I think there was a number of positive cases. Yeah, so I was very disappointed to miss the games while I was back home. Um, I don't know if it was, mate. It was very disappointing. The, game, the games were awful around, around that time. You probably got away with one, to be honest there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think it was still under Adams. So, yeah, it would have been a bit of a disappointment. But no, yeah. I, I cannot remember the last game I went to. Um but yeah, it was it was a long time ago, at least six years. Wow. And are you, are you planning on coming back maybe this Christmas as well, or over the summer or anything uh, over to the UK to watch a game? Uh, no plans as yet. Um, if you know, if we're doing well, maybe I'll start kind of looking at uh, you know trips over, hopefully to watch us lift the the championship or maybe make an appearance in the playoffs again. But uh, we'll see see how it goes. Yeah, well, it seems exciting at the moment. Um, the recruitment seems pretty good. Mark Hughes has got us all back there and together again. So we'll have to we'll have to see how we go. But yeah, it'd be great to have you back over here, mate. Um, Kit-wise, um, what do you think of the new kit? I would say, again, you've got all the shirts behind you, so you seem like a bit of a collector. Liking it? Yeah, I really like it. I was, I think I posted on Twitter that it reminded me of like the, the late 80s Grattan kit with the, with the collar. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be, uh, I'm sending my dad down on Tuesday when it launches to pick one up and get it in the post. Um, we've got a trip to St. Lucia coming up, so I'm hopefully going to be sporting that on the beach. <laughs> hopefully it. see a few more City fans on the beach there as well. And uh... Maybe, yeah, I may run into a few. <laughs> so you, you, obviously you've, you know, your passion for City has never dwindled even when you've moved over there. What's your favourite Bradford City moment of all time? Um, there's been a few. Um, 
I, I look back, I was at, you know, I was at Blackpool away when we came back from two nil down, you know, I think that was my first ever pitch invasion as a, as a 12 year old. Um, but no, I think one of the, the sort of magical moments was coming back from, from Wolves when we, after we'd been promoted and I was on one of the official, official fans buses and we turned into Valley Parade and, you know, we were greeted like we were the players. So it was kind of uh, kind of spine tingling to see the reception we got. Um, and also, I, I think one of the most recent games I went to was probably Chelsea away. And um, I was in the Chelsea end, unfortunately. And uh, me and a friend, when the fourth goal went in, really couldn't hide our excitement and proceeded to be chased out of the uh, the Chelsea end and uh, didn't see the, uh, the full-time whistle, but uh, enjoyed the celebrations afterwards. I love that. <laughs> the Chelsea headhunters after you. <laughs> Basically, yeah, we just we managed to sit on our hands for the first three, but when the fourth went in, it was oh. like not a chance. <laughs> you just can't, you? At that stage, like it was just unbelievable enough as it was. So yeah, fair play. And even if you did get a bit of an idea, it'd be worth it, wouldn't it? Let's be fair. If it did come to that. Um so leading on from Chris's question, uh, another question we've got for you is um have you got any funny moments of um, when you've been following, say, that you've been directly involved in or any stories you can tell us? Yeah. Um, yeah, back in 2013 uh, springs to mind uh, when I, I was living in Sussex. So me and a friend, uh, we got the tickets for the final. And for some strange reason, we decided we'd both dress in tweed attire, you know, waistcoats, jackets for the final, you know, make, you know, dress up for the occasion. Don't know why. Yeah. Make an effort, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, went into, got the train into London, uh, met up, um, headed up to Wembley and did all the the pre-match, um, you know, drinking at the, was it the Green Man. Yep. How was that? Yeah. So we then headed after the game. I don't know why we said, oh, let's head to Trafalgar Square and, and see if there's any other City fans meeting up at Chando's, which seemed to be the bar the night before. Um and for some reason, we went stopped off at a Tesco Express, and my friend had won some money gambling on the game. And then we uh, he bought a magnum of champagne, and we proceeded to sit on a park bench in Trafalgar Square, city scarves on, drinking this magnum of champagne. And then we just had city fans passing yeah. us by, and we were sharing it out. You know, we had we had bought all these like plastic glasses of champagne boots, so we were. Yeah, we made it look good. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine just two, yeah, two fellas sat there with, with tweed suits on, just you know, pouring <laughs> champagne. I love that. That's I've brilliant. Some photos. I'll have to post them after this. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that picture sounds amazing. Actually, um, <laughs> if somebody was just going past like a, a tourist, thinking that they look so cool, I'd love, I'd love it. Yeah, so if you can share those pictures with us, we'll uh, we'll tweet them out. And if any city fans actually had any of this champagne, let us know. Um, and we can we can match up with Mark as well. So <laughs> thank you for that. That's a belter, is that one? Love that. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll have some champagne moments this season. Fingers Hope crossed. So yeah, I've got got one in the fridge waiting. <laughs> yeah, ready Hopefully to not waiting much longer, mate. To be honest with you, let's let's hope this is our year finally. Um, so moving on again. So, who's your favourite player for Bradford ever? Again, it's it's a tough one. Um, I think. I think I look back and think about the best players and it, I mean, it's got to be Carboni. Um, you know, he was just different class, but yeah. then I'd say cult hero um, was probably uh, Adinho. He was a fantastic player to watch. Um, Chris Waddle as well. Um, 
but I think overall, I, I would say just for the kind of quality and the way he played was Robbie Blake in the promotion season, just incredible talent and, you know, unstoppable uh, that season. Mark, I think we, I just could not agree more with all of those. Robbie yeah. Blake, myself as well. He's, he's definitely the most, he's, I think Carbone is probably the most talented player we've ever had. But Blake that season was just oh just untouchable and was just a great great to watch and yeah he was he's probably is my favourite City player of all time. Yeah, even the first season in the Premier League, he didn't wasn't quite the same as he was in the promotion year, but he scored some cracking goals in the in the Premier League as well. Yeah, and he has yeah. done since as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he did really well following us. And I feel like every one of those players, are, are not a similar type of player, but they're all like exciting players. So it seems like that's the sort of player that you, you know, you like. And not many of them were with us for a long time either, to be fair, when you look at them, um, which is interesting, really. Um, but yeah, we, we don't seem to keep hold of these players that are super talented. I did yeah. uh, I did see Adinho play um, probably about two months ago in a charity match uh, in Silsden, <laughs> which is a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a come down, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Still absolutely brilliant. He, he ran the show and um, he just seemed like such a lovely guy. Um, he just came across as such a lovely guy as well and everybody seemed to sort of love him. So, yeah. Yeah, I saw all the, the posts on Twitter. I think he was... Yeah, yeah I used to live in Steeton. So, yeah. um oh, yeah. close by and I think he was in the old White Bear in Cross Hills, which I used to frequent quite often. Um, so, yeah, it was it was funny seeing seeing him in there. Yeah, quite bizarre, isn't it, really? You know, a hero <laughs> in, in your local pub, it's, it's bonkers. But, no, thank you for that. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you, Mark. Um, thank you for joining us. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll meet up with you when you come over to a game when you're back. Absolutely. And if you're ever over in Arizona, I'll uh, take you to a, see FC Tucson. It's not quite the same, but it's it's good fun. <laughs> we'll take it. And it's another place that me and Chris can stop. We've been invited somewhere else, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Definitely. <laughs> Without a doubt, I would love another to. Another Airbnb. It should be like an air, you know, claret and banter or something. I don't know. We'll have to see. But no, thank you very much. Bill. All the best. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. It's Boo from Swindon. Stop and listen. It's a city event. So, hello, everyone. Welcome to our special guest part of the show. So, today we've got Jamie Rayner with us, um, the excellent uh, commentator that we've unfortunately now lost. But there we go. So, how are you doing, Jamie? You all right? Yes, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Um... That fiver in the post is already on its way. Um, I've got no change in my wallet, though, so any more of that kind of stuff, and you're going to completely make me skint, so I, I don't want any more of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, you've been an absolute uh, pleasure to have on the commentary team, and, and we were just sort of discussing this before we came on, on air, but you're the best thing we've had for absolutely years, and I'm sure you'll agree with that, Chris. Yeah, I will do. Jamie, I think, you know, I've mentioned it a few times when I've talked to you on radio leads and stuff and you know you've always asked the questions that fans have wanted to hear and we haven't had that for probably I can't even remember when we've had that and you know when you listen to when we're angry after a game you ask the questions that people want to hear so we really appreciate that and thank you so much for coming on we, we really do appreciate it well, that's very kind. And that is now me skin for the summer. So thank you very much for that as well. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, they're going to keep rolling out these compliments, mate. You're going to be, going to be totally in debt, honestly. Oh, dear. Uh, so thank you. I'll roll out is um, just a little bit about you, because obviously we've, we've seen you on the, the, the airwaves, but we don't really know much about you as a person. So can you tell us a bit about yourself, like where you're from um, and what you like to get up to away from uh, commentating on Bradford? 
Yeah, well, um, I'm Yorkshire born and bred, although my accent, as my friends tell me, doesn't really suggest that. Um, I'm from Pontefract. If anybody knows where that is, it's just off the M62, probably Ponte the Carlo. south part of Ponte, Ponte Carlo. Yeah, Ponte yeah. Carlo is next to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah um yeah five towns massive um uh, so yeah I'm, I'm from pontefract um yeah big sports fan as you can probably tell anyway um when i'm not working in sport i'm annoying my better half talking about sport i'm either watching sport consuming sport um you know so yeah i've i've, I've loved football and cricket as you probably already know as well for, for many many years i play both sports as well and uh yeah, I love radio as well, which is, I suppose, a good thing given what I do. And um, yeah, I've, I've been been working in radio now since I was since I was nineteen, and yeah, I'm twenty six now. So um, I've I've loved every minute of it and continue to learn every single day. So, what was your um, when you were a kid? What did you want to grow up to be? Did you want to work in journalism? Yeah, it's a good question. I think anybody that works in journalism or certainly sports journalism will say that they were never quite good enough to play it. So they might as well go and talk about it or write about it or whatever, try and be involved in it in some way. Yeah. So um, it was probably I actually wanted to be remarkably and I don't know why I thought I'd want to do this. I wanted to work in law. Um, and then I think I went to go watch some some touring car racing uh, with my dad and my dad's big into motorsport I remember there's about 16 17 and we were watching it and I think he was having a classic dad chat you know right come on son what are you thinking about doing and I said oh, I want to go in I want to go into law and I think he knew my capabilities and he just went you know very diplomatically said I, mm, I don't know if that one's really for you have you thought about you know what going into sport um and I kind of thought well yeah I could go go down the you know the teaching route and then you know, my dad said, well, you like talking about it a lot. So why don't you try and make a, a career out of it? And actually, I thought about it and I thought it's not that's not a bad idea. And so um, when I was making my uh, university choice um, when I was at college, I decided, you know what, I might give that a go. Um, went down the, the media and journalism routes, um, studied at Northumbria uh, in Newcastle, uh, did a three year course there. And it was whilst I was there that I got some freelance work at uh, at Radio Newcastle, which was an amazing experience. Loved every minute of working there. And these were the years where Sunderland had just stayed up in the Premier League. So Sam Allardyce was the manager. And yeah, Rafa Benitez had, had just stayed at Newcastle. So he took Newcastle down to the Championship. But everybody said that they wanted Rafa to stay at St. James's Park. And so he, he duly obliged and, and managed them in the Championship. So, you know, what an education into sports journalism that was. Uh, and then... Yeah, moved down to, to Leeds and and uh, the rest is kind of, as they say, history. Brilliant. Um, so just a quick question about that then, about the history that you just mentioned. So how did you get the opportunity to commentate on City? Were you working at Radio Leeds and it just sort of, how did that happen? Yeah, so I, I'd been working at Radio Leeds um, when I got the opportunity to cover Bradford City uh, for about three years. And when I started at Radio Leeds, I wasn't even working on the sports team. I was one of the producers working on the daytime programme shows. I worked on the afternoon show and then I got moved on to breakfast. And so I had to get up at four o'clock every morning for about a year, which killed me. Um, although I loved it, don't get me wrong, it was a great show to work on, a great team that still exists at, at Radio Leeds. Um, and then I, I managed to kind of nudge and noodle my way onto the sports team after consistent 
asking and wanting and trying to get on there. Um, for those that know, I did a cricket show at Radio Leeds as well, which was kind of my way into the sports team. And then, yeah, I managed to kind of get on the sports team for a year and I was actually doing uh, a lot of the presenting as part of the team. And a lot of it actually was doing the, the Huddersfield Town Games for about a year or so. Ooh. And then, um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I've always wanted to be a commentator. I never really knew how to did it uh, to do it. Sorry. Um, and then I was asked, would I, would I like to take on that opportunity? Which, you know, thinking back at the time, was remarkable, given you know that I'd, I'd never commentated on a game of football in my life before, and all of a sudden I was given this responsibility of, of covering such an enormous side like Bradford City. So yeah, I, I took it. I took it on a little bit, probably naively. And, and then, yeah, that first game, which was uh, the League Cup first round against Bolton away. Obviously, there was no fans there as well. So there's an even heightened responsibility because, you know, everybody's not only listening to what you say, but watching what you say. Um, you know, thinking back now, I was nowhere near ready enough. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I took it on. Um, yeah, le- had to learn quickly. Had to learn quickly. Um, but loved it, and I was doing what I wanted to do, um, and then yeah, it just went on from there, really. Yeah, so obviously you were asked to, like you said, asked to be a city commentator. Was it daunting to you when they asked you to do that? Yeah, massively, enormously. But it's one of those ones where you, you know, if you said no to it, you'd regret it instantly, and then you'd watch someone else go on and do it and think, God, that could have been me. So okay, yes, you're not ready to do it, probably you know, you're going to have to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation to start with, because that's, you know, how you learn. You're going to make mistakes that people are going to call you out for. And you have to be thick enough, thick skinned enough, I should say, to to take that on the chin, which I probably wasn't enough at the time. Um, but then you know that, that actually in, in due course, it will be really, really rewarding, which it was. Um, and, you know, I don't need to tell you guys how much of a responsibility it is. Uh, and in the same breath, how much of an honour and a privilege it, it is, you know, covering a club like Bradford City and really getting stuck into covering it as well. You know, not just doing the games, but, you know, being the reporter, you know, going to the press conferences, getting the opportunity to speak with players, managers, people on the board, trying to find out things about the club behind the scenes. Uh, it was an opportunity that, you know, I, I, I couldn't have missed and I didn't miss. And, you know, I would never regret. I absolutely loved it. I think it's fair to say that you really grew into it and you could tell that sort of over the years that you were doing it. And I think towards the later end, I think your, your questions were getting a little bit more and more direct and it seemed like you were being a bit braver. And to be honest, as fans, we absolutely loved it. You know, we ate it up and we were just sort of alluding to that before. Is it is a sort of an agreement with the club where you can only go so far? Is it like a bit of a an unknown where you just sort of know how far you can press those questions? And I know that's a bit of a difficult one to answer, but I thought I'd fire that one at you. No, I can answer that. Yeah, it, that's there's no agreement and and there shouldn't be as well. You know, there's a, a respect between the club and, and, and the media. And it has to be. And that has to be anywhere as well. And there is a respect. There's a, there's a great relationship um, with, with the club and the media, I, I believe. Anyway, from what I experienced, I can only talk about my own experiences. And there's an understanding, you know, there's a there's a general understanding. And you make that editorial judgment. Fundamentally, it's on me and I have to make that call at that time. Um, you know, there'll, no doubt there'll be there'll be some things and some questions that are a little more difficult than others. And, you know, it's all quite tense at times and you have to kind of accept that it's part and parcel of the job. 
but ultimately you know if you can if you can the next day turn around and, and go well actually you know that's that that's gone that's in the past we can move forward you know that's that's what you really strive for as a working relationship and that's what it is it's a working relationship and I've always really valued that to be honest with you with the club I think the club have been very very respectful towards you know my job and my responsibility or responsibilities um and you know I've, I've always really valued that and I'd like to think that you know we never really crossed crossed whatever line it might be because we've always had a very very good working relationship you've had a, a few co-hosts in your time you've <laughs> the great Andy Kawamia wait a minute let me just get some more thoughts on get some more jackets on <laughs> not in this heat god yeah yeah uh, <laughs> he probably, probably, would. probably <laughs> would wouldn't he yeah, uh, was, you've had Philippe yeah. Moraes as well in this last season. Who's been your favourite co-host? Oh, that's, not, that's not a fair question. Um, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm going to get a nice, comfy cushion now to sit on this fence. Um, but I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to say because there's value in in all the ones that I've worked with, um, because they all bring something different to the table. Um, you know, and, and they are in their own right fantastic co-commentators um you know I've had the opportunity to work you know more closely with Andy just because for the length of time that we worked together you know we spent a lot of time on the road I've learned a lot from Andy what a man what a man I, I, I could I could not speak highly of Andy Kiwamia he is he is such a good person you know above all else he's a good friend not only a good professional and someone who cares incredibly about Bradford City I mean his passion is unrivaled. His, he, he loves that football club. He absolutely loves that football club. Gary is just so passionate. You know, he wears his heart on his sleeve like he did as a player. He does in the, in the commentary box as well. Um, he just demands desire and commitment. And again, that'll be no surprise to you both in the way that he played. Um, and he can really tell you about the emotional side of playing for Bradford City. Philippe is so tactically aware. I mean, how, how he hasn't got a job already in football, I don't know. He's destined to be a coach or a director of football somewhere down the line. The, the guy is so good at analysis and thinking about the game methodically, thinking about it technically, being able to break it down and actually communicate that in a way that's understandable to someone who's an average Joe who doesn't really understand football. I try and act like I do, but I don't. So... All three have their own qualities and, you know, it was it was a pleasure to work alongside them. And you learn so much about the club. You know, they've all played their part in the history of Bradford City. And in doing so, you know, my, my knowledge and hopefully the, the listeners' knowledge is broadened because of their own experiences. I think what you get from Philippe when you listen, and obviously I love the other two as well, I'll comment on Andy in a minute. Um, but from Philippe, he's very honest and he'll say he's not good enough. And I think Gary does the same, but... I think as fans, you really relate to that. I know for yourself, obviously, you're the main man that's there week in, week out. Um, you're just saying what you see. But I think because they've played the game, they're sort of making those connections and saying, actually, he's not playing well enough today. And I, I really like that. And I think Philippe really sort of puts that across. But when he says it, like you've just said, he says it in the right way. He's not saying yeah. it in a derogatory about them as a person or whatever. He's saying it about the way they're playing and maybe the system. And I really like that. Andy, it's really funny because um, I've obviously I've watched it on iFollow, like you were saying. And my missus was sort of milling about. She went, who is that? Because, you know, he, sh he shouts, doesn't he? And the way he speaks, he's like, he's, let's say he's not the most eloquent on the radio. I mean, I'm terrible, obviously. But do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, just, yeah. 
he just sort of say what he, says what he feels and he's like, it's a throw-in or something. And you're like, what? Like, we know it's a throw-in. We can see, I don't know. I can't really think of an example off the top of my head, but to me... I can think of one, one perfect one. The Bolton. One. The Bolton. Uh, yeah. The Danny Rowe. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. The City Raw. <laughs> oh, that was, that was amazing. I mean, there's a great story about that, actually. And... You know, I think it was furthered by the fact that it was in an empty ground. And, and that was a moment that deserved a, a sellout Valley Parade. I mean, you know, that's the biggest crime of, of that season. Um, it was it was an amazing, awesome, incredible moment. And obviously Andy's, Andy's reaction to the goal. Just like a was fan. Just, well, exactly. And, and that's the raw emotion um, that you get with it. And, and, and you get with Andy. And, and that's why he, I, I believe, brings the commentary to life. Because he's just so instinctive in, in how he how he feels at, at that time. There's kind of no filter. It's just, you know, if there's the throw on goal, he's there with all of you lot at home, willing the ball to go into the back of the net. At times, I have to say to him, we need to just turn it down a tad because we can't hear what's going on in the game. He's like, yeah, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. And he's always apologising because he's just so nice about it all. Yeah. Um, but he just, as I say, I go back to that point, he cares so much. And that's why his reaction was just the way it was um, with the Bolton uh, goal. And... You know, I, I remember, I'll remember that moment for the rest of my life because <laughs> obviously I'm going mental because Danny Rose just scored in, in stoppage time. To no. I think that protected the unbeaten record that or the unbeaten run that City yeah, yeah. run at the time. Obviously, it was the game of the season, really, because if I'm right in saying City run a, a six-game winning streak and, and Bolton were on a seven. Yeah. Um, and obviously, they were, the, they were the team to beat. Um, and it had that real big game feel to it. You know, two former Premier League sides going at one another. And as I say, it was a game that deserved a crowd. And when that goal went in, I did my bit. And then all of a sudden, I just heard this enormous roar. I, I, was, I thought I was on La Liga television in the way that it, yeah, it was this massive yeah. goal. But the way I can describe it was, if you know Valley Parade and you know um, the press area in, in, the, in the family stand, we, we have the front row of the press area. That's where our commentary position is. So we've got you know the, the, the brick wall in front of us, so to speak. Empty ground, of course, so you can hear everything around the stadium. It echoes. And this massive roar. And then Andy Kuomia leaning over this wall like the angel of the north, <laughs> screaming at the top of his voice. <laughs> All the players going mental on the pitch. But it was that loud that it, 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 it overpowered the celebrations on the pitch. So much so that Ian Everett turns around and looks up going, what the hell is that? <laughs> The rest of the Bolton bench, which is obviously is like three or four rows back because of COVID, as opposed to the dugout, they're all turning around. Andy Cook's turning around, going, "What the hell's going on?" And there's and there's this Kiwami-like angel of the north hanging over the press area. I love that. And, and the best bit about that was it was so loud that the club, when they do their own videos that they put out on social media, they really hype up their own player reaction in that moment. You can hear all the whoops and the cheers and whatnot. You could still hear. Andy Kiwami's cheer just coming in from the sidelines in the background. It was an amazing moment. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Love it. What what a guy. He really is. Yeah. I'm going to take this down a notch now. So we're talking about a lot of positive stuff. And now I want to take it down a little bit of a notch towards Derek Adams. Now, mm. obviously, I want to know your thoughts on Derek Adams. Because obviously you got to interview him quite close. Um, maybe not as a person, but as a manager we're talking about. And um, in one particular interview he did, he alluded to, to some underlying issues at the club. And I don't know if you remember the, the particular interview that I'm talking about. Yep. Have you any idea what he was alluding to in that particular conversation? No. 
no and I try to find out and yeah. if I'm being honest it, it was something that, that we I don't know what it could have been um you know we I tried as you heard to, to to find out what that was and we go back to that point about the line you know and, and where you draw that line mm. and you have to be respectful there's only so far you can go with the question before one you're going to annoy the person that you're asking it but two some things just aren't there to be said you know and and should should have Derek alluded to that or not that's at his own discretion and clearly it left a a, a question mark over what that could be hence why you're asking me that now um but no if I'm being perfectly honest um I never I never found out what that was it never became clear as well sometimes you get indications you mm. know when you see things as they unfold I think that was after the Hartlepool game that question was asked which was a 3-1 defeat at home um, I think the record was that Hartlepool had, had never won away from home. So they just rock up to Valley Parade and, and do the business. Um, and so, yeah, we, ne I never, we never really found out what, what that was about. And um, yeah, we, I know, I think I asked the, the question towards the end of his tenure, actually, to try to revisit that. And um, no, it never, it never came out. It's you funny. Did you, Sorry. Did, you, did you feel like the switch in him a little bit? Because to us as fans... And somebody alluded to this the other day, it's, it almost felt like he was trying to get sacked almost with what he was saying. It was really odd, the interviews it was having like that. And then the Finkels and Dawson and all of these other bits and bobs. And did you notice that as um, when you were sort of interviewing him? Yeah, I think it's all about how you perceive it. And the one thing that I have that, that the listeners don't have is I'm able to see how Derek is or the manager is in that moment and their body language. You know, I think that... that for someone to say that Derek was trying to get sacked, in my opinion, is completely wrong. I, I actually look at it from a completely polar opposite perspective. I think he really cared. I think he cared a lot more than actually people realised and, and understood. He wanted to do so well at Bradford City. This was a big, big opportunity for him. And I still think that Derek Adams is a very good manager and will continue to be a good manager. My reflections now and conclusion on the situation would be that... He just wasn't the right fit for Bradford City. You know, Bradford City needs a manager that can empathise with the fans, that can understand the football club and the culture of not only the football club itself, but the area that it represents. And I just think that there, it just wasn't the right fit. And I was quite sad, actually, that it never really worked out because everything suggested that it would, mm. particularly at the start of the season. And, and the way that, that, that City started the campaign, you know, that 3-2 like victory away at Mansfield. What a moment that was when Andy Cook scored. And you just had this feeling like, yeah, they mean business. And there was a real twinkle in Derek Adams' eye and you could just tell that the players had really bought into to what he was trying to, to work with. I think injuries were a massive part of his time. He lost key players at key times that really hampered his selection. You know, Bradford City had a good squad last season. I just think that injuries really, really affected it. The fact that we didn't even see Aboisa, again, is just a crying shame. He would have been such an impact player and he will be an impact player all being well uh, this coming season. But I don't believe that, that Derek tried to get the sack. I, I just think that the tide had turned against him. Momentum from all quarters was going against him. And he maybe became quite isolated in that moment you know and he probably could have reacted in in better ways you know I think the final game with the Exeter defeat and there was you know the the, the bickering with some of the fans in in the in the main stand probably not the best thing to have done
But, you know, I had a lot of time for Derek um, and I, I respected him. He, he respected me and I, I valued that a lot. Um, yeah, and I was just sad that it didn't really work out for him. It just, it probably just wasn't the right fit. I'm going to I'm going to change the subjects a little bit I think because you know you you've talked about Derek Adams and everything. Do you love what you do Jamie? And also tell us what you're up to now because we obviously know that you've taken a secondment. So tell us about what you're doing now. Yeah, so in football terms I'm on a 6 month loan. Um I'm I'm working for BBC Sport now, uh predominantly with with their cricket output. So for those that that know test match special um, almost an institution really on the radio I'm very lucky to be working as part of their team at the moment on their, their test match coverage so I've done uh, at the moment uh, the the two tests so far at the point of recording um, in the England New Zealand series 2-0 uh, up hopefully going to be 3-0 for those that are listening later down the line <laughs> and uh, England did the job at Headingley um, so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm working more behind the scenes now as part of of that team helping produce uh, the output for the cricket coverage and uh, and yeah and then we'll in time go to work uh, on that on their football side of things um, and that is until October and then you know we'll see so talking about that and the facilities obviously that you'll get at the cricket so I'm sure that they were pretty nice compared to some of the grounds that you went <laughs> to um, so let's talk about some of the grounds you went to last season with Bradford when you were commentating away what was the best facilities that you were offered? And sort of, can you give us a bit of an idea of what kind of stuff they'll give you food-wise and that? And then what was the worst as well? That's a great question. Um, well, first and foremost, you, you, we were coming, and we probably still are continuing to come out of, of, of the COVID era. And so that that completely changed, you know, facilities and, and what, what we were delivered as, as, a, as a match day team because of the protocols that had to be followed and there were certain zones that you had to be in, you know, there was, there was, there were zones that we as the media weren't allowed to go in as part of the stadium because of COVID. Um, and that still kind of came into uh, the season when fans were allowed back into the grounds. There was still a, a, a degree of caution. Um, I think now, um, best facilities. I have to say, I think Colchester, was very good as a, as a new stadium um, was quite impressive to say it was a, you know, a newer stadium, albeit the atmosphere was nowhere near as good as what we've experienced in, overall. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other good ones, actually. I, I should say Exeter, given that I was there that much. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> You're like um, a parking space there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> might as well. Um I know there's a better answer to give you, but I can't get Colchester out of my mind now. Um, I'll continue to think about it. If anything comes to mind, I'll, yeah, I'll let you know. I'm trying so to think if, now. If the worst was then, so there would got to be one that was pretty bad. Yeah. Was memorable. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely answer that one. And I say this with the utmost respect, by the way. Um, you know, you've got to understand the limitations of some football clubs, but... For me, and this is a personal thing as well, I, I, I found Barrow very difficult. Um, and that's because the, that. <laughs> the commentary box is inside um, and you're you're commentating through um, a window. I just can't get along with that at all. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's going back to COVID era and that you, you kind of cut adrift from um, the atmosphere. Hartlepool, that was a good one. Hartlepool was a very good one, actually. Yeah. 
Um, really good commentary position, really good vantage point. But yes, at Barrow, you just, you, you're quite low down. So you've not got a great vantage point. It's difficult to, to get a real picture of the action. And in the same breath, because you're just not in the moment, you're not in the in the crowd, as it were. You can't. And that's a big part of commentary. You've got to feel. You've got to feel what's happening at that time, um, and you just feel a little cut adrift when you're at Barrow. Even yeah. so, like I went. Did you go to Barrow, Chris? I didn't, but I, I definitely know that you went. I did, and it was just abysmal. I mean, it was like scaffolding that just sort of put it all up because obviously it's the first time in how many years they've been in the football league, and yeah. Honestly, it's the it's the worst away ground I've been to. Do you know what? The whole day was awful for me for other reasons as well. The whole day, even after the game as well. Even after the game. So I might as well say it now because I'm sort of um, balls deep into the question. Um, (laughs) So I don't know what I'd eaten. I had some at the ground. I don't know if it was sausage roll or something. But on the way home, um, I had to pull a car over twice to have a poo on it. So the whole day for me was horrendous. It was horrific, Jim. Um, So there we go. I'm sure you've got some tales about when you've been coming away from grounds and stuff like that that you're not going to share with us. But yeah, that, it wasn't even, I didn't even have a drink or anything like that. It was just something I'd eaten. So there we go. But yeah, the, the ground was, it just isn't fit for standard, I don't think, for the Football League. I just don't think they're ready for it. And yeah, that it's awful, but. Yeah, I mean, you've got to, yeah, you, you've got to be mindful, haven't you, that, that for them it's a big, big move. And as we all know, you know, infrastructure takes time and, and no doubt, you know, I mean, you know, all, all credit to Barrow that they've, you know, they've, they've come up and they stayed up. And it's such a hard thing to do, um, you know, and, and they look after you so well. You know, the people are so welcoming. It's just it's just it's going to take time, isn't it, I guess, for them to, to build up and, and, and get to that point. But um, but no, just just personally, from a, a commentary uh, perspective, I, I did find that quite difficult. That, and actually, actually, while we're on it, probably Bristol Rovers as well, because you don't get it's very cramped at Bristol Rovers. You're at the top of the tier is a great vantage point you can see the whole of bristol in the background so you, you you're well up so you can see what's going on and the atmosphere booms through as well um but you've you've, you've got no table in front of you so you're literally you know your notes are on your lap you're kind of fiddling around you, you've got you've got to hold your lip mic but then you're trying to note things down and you're hoping that the wind doesn't take off so that your notes go flying everywhere and yeah that was that was a real challenge actually so i, I put bristol up there as well did you post a picture of that one yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, just sat there, yeah. like, yeah, quite cramped <laughs> and elbows yeah. in. Gary, Gary, and I were very cozy. Uh, yeah, so yeah. When we were when we were watching City hang on for the whole game, it felt like anyway. Yeah, I can think of worse uh, worse things than being cozy up with Gary Jones, but well, you know. true, true. That's a good. Point. Jamie, yeah. I'll ask you a question. So obviously, you you, you know, when commentators always have this book and they always have like you know with facts and stuff this is going to sound really stupid but how does that work so what do you do do you just learn about every single player do you have to know every single player how how would that work for you what what's your homework yeah I, I think every every commentator has their own way you ask anybody it's very subjective how they go through their their pre-match ritual you know mine when I started way back at Bolton completely changed to to the last game against Carlisle you know when I first started I used to write all my notes out so you know you get you get like an A4 notepad and you typically have two A4 pieces of paper in front of me and you you know you go through player by player so you make sure that you've got every every name and number of the opposition a little bit of uh, you know few facts about each player so you know what what's their career history you know what academy did they come through is there a city connection you know you don't want to miss that 
have they have they had a significant game against City in, in years gone by? Uh, because, you know, ultimately, you're not only trying to tell the audience what's happening in the game, but you're also trying to educate them if you can and, and give them a little bit more than maybe what's happening in the game. And there'll be some games where those, you know, there's flat moments and you have to lean on those notes and those facts so you can keep the commentary going. And, and fundamentally, you're providing an entertainment service, so you don't want people switching off. Um, so, yeah, as I say, I used to write that all out. And then I, I you know, I follow quite a few commentators that, that you know, work on, on network radio and whatnot. And um, it's actually Connor McNamara, who, who works on Radio 5 Live, um, who he was doing a, he was due to do a game. I think he was at Spurs, maybe. And it, last minute was called off because of COVID. And he put up a video about how he'd done all these notes. He was stood outside the stadium. He just had to put them in the bin, which, you know, I, I sympathise greatly. But I saw his notes and, and he, it was all done on the laptop or the computer. He printed it out and he'd actually managed to cut them up so he could put them in formation. And I looked at that and I thought, that's brilliant. So I thought, right, I'll have a bit of that. So I spent a day creating a template on my laptop and, you know, you put all the pictures in and whatnot. And it actually became really, really, once you do it more and more like anything, the more you do it, the better you get at it and kind of get into a, a methodology of it. And I really enjoyed doing it and actually part of the job that I love doing is the sitting down and learning about the opposition because some of the great little stories that you find out about players that just fit into the commentary and actually bring the, the editorial side of the game to life, you know, Northam uh, North, uh, yeah, Northampton, amazing from set pieces, you know, that's something that City need to look at. So when you've done that homework and you can go into the pre-match press conference and ask Mark Hughes about how, how are you going to deal with mm. Northampton's aerial threat from the set-piece situation? And then that builds the, the narrative of the game. So it's a key, key part of commentary is the preparation. I don't know if you've listened to the uh, other podcast that we did, um, but we did learn a fact about Theo Robinson, Jamie, um, that he had six cheeseburgers <laughs> once before a match. So you can write that one down, mate. That's a free one for you. <laughs> we'll come to it on Bradford again. So, yeah, I mean, just a bit of context behind this one. And again, this might be absolute tosh, but I just love revisiting it. Um, yeah. so one of our fans said that his, his sister worked at um, McDonald's at Foster Square. And before a game on a Tuesday night, Theo Robinson went and ordered six cheeseburgers. So, so there we go. I mean, he's got kids, hasn't he? So I'm, I'm sure they might have been for his kids. But he, he's convinced this chap that he ate six cheeseburgers. And then, for whatever reason, he actually started that game. And I, I can't for life for me remember what game it was. Yeah, there we go. That's a free one for you, mate. Well, that was I learned that on the. I, I, that was the first time I heard that was when you asked uh, Rich O'Donnell about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think now goals. Assists uh, and then cheeseburgers. That's the new stat <laughs> column. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair enough, isn't it? It's a good bit. <laughs> um, so while we're on the topic of food, um, red <laughs> sauce or brown sauce, Jamie? Brown. Love it. Totally yeah. on that one. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Well, anything. Or is it, is um, it yeah, I'm. I, I, I'd go. I push it on it on everything, but yeah, I mean you. you, you your easiest barometer there is, you know, a bacon sani. You're going to go red or, or brown sauce. Brown sauce every day of the week. All the way. Jamie, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. And I got called. It was a, a dram. What was it? What was the comment? A dram food question. So I'm going to ask you it anyway. And you probably see, you've probably, if you've listened to the podcast, you'll already know what's coming up, Jamie. So I'm yeah. expecting you'll have written this down. You know, <laughs> You walk into a restaurant and uh, they can yes. serve any food you want. You're having a starter, you're having a main, you're having a dessert. What are you having? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I have thought this through, actually, in preparation. So, uh, <laughs> I thought uh, Richard's shout of the nachos was, was a great one, actually. Yeah. Uh, for the sake of not repeating, again, because you want a bit of variety. Um, I'll go with calamari. I love calamari um, with, a you know, like a tartar sauce. Uh, I just, yeah, absolutely. A bit of like lemon on top. Bosh, lovely. Uh, main, um, I would, without question, uh, my local uh, chicken tandoori masala, mushroom pilau rice with a pishwari naan is just on the money. Uh, and then, What's it called? Uh, so it's called, um, I've got my BBC hat on, by the way. It's called Abdul's Cuisine. Other takeaways are available. And yeah, it's, it's Bob on actually. Um, and then for dessert, uh, because I've, I think the calorie counts pretty high now, I'm going to go for an easy uh, lemon, mango and raspberry sorbet mix because it's just nice to just cl- cleanse the palate. Like it. Okay. <laughs> it? Yeah. I was thinking that, but I respect yeah. it. And I think it's nice to have that palate cleanser. I think it's a really good shout. A light finish. Yeah. yeah. You've been spoiled, haven't you? You've been spoiled. Well, you know. I thought you were going to say Pontefract cakes, mate, or something like that, but you know. They're horrible. I For someone like who comes from Pontefract, they're disgusting. I don't I get them at all. Yeah, all people love them. You're going to get all these now coming at you, Jamie, for that, mate. <laughs> I know. I'm primed um, and ready. That's it. So just a, a quick question as well. So, I mean, you might not know this anyway, and you might not be able to say, but do you know who might be taking over the commentary? Um, obviously, while we see you leave for a bit. Now, I, I'm rooting for a certain uh, Lewis personally, but uh, can you can you give us any um, hints on who it might be? I've no idea yet. I have no idea. I have no idea. That is an honest answer. Um, no, I've I've not really been involved in in all of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm sure when that decision's made that it'll be announced or, or however but uh, no no don't know at the moment and jamie can, can we ask as well are you coming back or will we get maybe a guest guest appearance from yourself i honestly don't know uh, yeah is the, is the simple answer to that question um as i say you know I'm, I'm i'm doing this job at the moment until october time at the moment you know that could change i i i just don't know um I, I'd, I'd love to to have a bit of clarity myself really but that's just the way things are that's that's how that's how the job works um you know I'd, i would love to come back and and do the job i've you know i've loved it for the last two Hang years on a second. does is that does that tie in nicely for when the world cup starts with the football have you been poached by the bbc for that <laughs> no, no Dad, i'd love to be i'd love to I'm, I'm there if they want me but um i'm i'm quite a fair bit away from from that but uh but no, yeah, I'd like to say I'd love to. I'd love to come back and, and do it. And and I, I just don't know at the moment. You know, I'd, uh, it, it could be that I do. Um, and if I do, then happy days. And a bit of a silly question. Um, do you know what were the record for how many jackets Andy Kawamu wore? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I think I think it was eight layers. Wow. Eight layers. Yeah, what? there was yeah. one one night where it was horribly cold. Yeah. And he, you know, he was, he counted one by one by one. And yeah, I think he got to eight. And I was like, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I even own eight jackets. I know. <laughs> and he said, I don't know how he sits down in his chair. Like, he's just, he's, he's, like, that many layers. But um, Michelin, no, man. He, is, uh, he is a prepared man when it comes to certainly the weather. He knows exactly what's happening with the weather. And he's ready for all, all outcomes. <laughs> 
Is it? Can I ask you, um, how, how old is it? Do you know how old he is, Andy? Because he, he just, just looked the same as he did like 20 years ago. Yeah, I know. I know. He, he doesn't age, does he? Um, no. Without, I actually don't know. I, uh, I think, you know, try and work it out. He'd probably be in his 50s, I think. He won't mind me saying that. It's on yeah. Wikipedia anyway, so. Yeah, we'll um, find out. We'll find yeah, out. But... Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. I but, didn't yeah, realize. doesn't. He played for Halifax Town. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I saw somebody yeah. put a picture on the other day. I didn't. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. He's had a Andy. Andy's had a great career, and uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Fifty-two. Did you speak? Did you speak there much at all? How old is he? Sorry. Fifty-two. Right there we go. Has he spoke much about his? Because nephew plays, doesn't he? Um, I can't remember his name now. Is it Alex? His, Alex his son. Yeah, his, his son. son. Yeah, oh, his sorry. son. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, and yeah, yeah, he does talk a lot about Alex. He's so proud of, of Alex, obviously, yeah. and and um, you know, um, yeah, I, I think uh, Alex is. I'm not sure where Alex is at the moment, but um, but no, he, he he has played and continues to play. Um, so yeah. And just um, a final question, um, just a prediction for where you think Bradford City might finish next season. Good question. I think at the least City will finish. In the top seven, wow! Um, yeah, I do. I think um, I think all the signs say to me that the club is moving in the right. Uh, everyone says the club's moving in the right direction, mm. but I do. You know, you look at the manager who's in the the dugout. You know, the the board is settled. Ryan is someone who is so driven and so ambitious, um, and he's got a good team around him now. He's he's assembled a very good team, hardworking team, and. The squad, I think, at the moment is building. Um, you know, it's it's probably three or four, maybe even five signings shy of where it needs to be. But there's so much time in this window left. And uh, to get the deals done that, that City have got done already is, uh, I think, is, is key. And, um, yeah, I think there's a, just a good, everybody, good synergy about the, the club at the moment. And so, fingers, fingers crossed, obviously, fingers crossed, you know, it, it can, I do, I think they'll challenge for the top seven. Interesting. I think we can all feel that a little bit, and I'm really positive. Um, I think some of the signings are amazing, and we've only just got started, really. So we'll have to see who else comes in, and hopefully, well, when we're recording this, we're actually on Thursday. We're hoping there's going to be some news tomorrow. There's going to be the new kit launched at least. Yeah. But fingers crossed. We might see a little uh, Mr. Odisuna in that kit, but we'll have to see. That's <laughs> not I know nothing about it. I'm, I'm hoping because when we played them um, at their place, he was unbelievable. Yeah, I don't it was... remember yourself, Jamie, but yeah, he was, he was yeah. Plastic. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it'd be good if if I've saw, I saw those links on social media. Um, yeah. If if that is the case, particularly now if Pordy, you know, is is has gone, I think um, I think it would be a, a smart signing. But just have to wait and see. We will. But it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Jamie. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again, and hopefully we'll see you commentating on a Bradford City game again. Thank you, mate, and all the best. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And 
Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.